Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Good to see you, and I'm so excited. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Mom out there, I'm not going to get to see you because of all the junk going on in the world, but I want to say I love you. Happy Mother's Day, and we'll get together soon. I'll bring that car that I bought for you for Mother's Day over. So this is what we're going to do. We have two of our staff mothers, and growing up, one of the fun things we used to do was we used to do the Mad Libs. Y'all ever do Mad Libs? So still do Mad Libs? Okay, so Mad Libs is good. I love the really funny ones, So, but there's a disclaimer. You're not going to give me wrong answers, too many, and you're not going to judge my grammar and my English. It was the worst subject that I had, okay? So I was okay in math and all that. So if you say noun, and I don't know if it's a noun, I'm just going to go, yeah, let's put it up there, okay? So let's do that. All right, so I'm going to go with April 1st. You ready, April? All right, here's the first one. I need you to give me a noun. Beach. Beach, as in the beach, as in St. Simon's, where we can't go right now. Exactly. The beach. Okay, type of food. Give us your favorite type of food. Pasta. Pasta. Any particular type of pasta? Um, let's say fettuccine alfredo. Fettuccine alfredo. Okay. I need an animal. Manatee. Manatee. That's my favorite animal. Well played. That's awesome. Uh, a noun. Let's see. Hair. Okay. Adjective. Let's see. Let's come up with a good one. An adjective. Let's do... Ludicrous. Okay, ludicrous. That's that's the adjective, yes. and the noun was hair, right? Okay, all right. I need a verb. Eating. Eating. Eating, as in eating your fettuccine alfredo. Absolutely. All right. I need a noun. Let's do... Hmm. Let's say tree. Tree. Any type of tree? Christmas tree. Christmas tree. Perfect. All right. A body part. <laughs> oh, boy. Toes. Toes. Okay. Uh, number. 52. 52. All right. Color. Fuchsia. Fuchsia. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Adjective. Fuzzy. Fuzzy. I need another number. Let's get a really wild number in there. 1,563. 1,563. Name of a store. Oh, let's make it COVID virus friendly. The one that you want to go to first after they open things up. What's the name of that store? I've already been. I went to Target. Target. Old Target. Okay. I need another verb. Swimming. Swimming. And then a number. Is it with numbers? I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's say 321. 321. All right, Jackie, it's your turn, okay? So let's okay. switch spots, and I'm going to go to Jackie. Jackie, I need a plural noun. Deer. Deer. Oh, see, we talked about this deer. one. Yeah. Not deers. Not deers. Deer. 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 Okay. Yeah. Another plural noun. Penguins. We should have gone your, your husband's favorite. Scramps. Scramps. <laughs> no, we'll go penguin, penguin. All right, noun? noun. Uh, movie theater. Movie theater. All right, an ailment. Think of a good one, an ailment. An ailment. Uh, broken toe. Broken toe, mm -hmm. okay. Number? 
5,821. 5,821. Yeah. Remember, I'm going to have to read this back, okay? This is going to be a very difficult number. Okay, adverb. I don't even know what adverb is. Elegant. El- wow. An ad- elegant adverb. Okay. Oh, here's a great one. Superhero. Superhero. Uh, let's say Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Okay. Mm-hmm. Exclamation. Yay. Yay. <laughs> All right, another number. Uh, two trillion one. Two trillion and one. And one. Okay. Uh, an adjective? Mm, sarcastic. Sarcastic. Another adjective? Scared. Scared. So we have sarcastic and scared. A plural noun. Plural noun. Let's say... Cars. Cars. Okay. And now an adjective. Mm, Frightened. Frightened. Another adjective. (laughs) Jovial. Jovial. And one more adjective. Uh, Beautiful. Okay. So this is a Mother's Day Mad Lib when we're using all these different things. And this is to honor your mothers with everything that's going on in Mother's Day. Y'all with me with this? So here's where we're going today. We're talking about words, and we're talking about how we tell a story with words. We're talking about in the Old Testament how words were important, but they tried to get around some of the words. So what we're going to see is exactly how this plays out in this Mad Lib. Are we ready back there for the Mad Lib yet? Are we close to being ready with the Mad Lib yet? They're saying five more seconds. You want me to sing a song? What you want me to do? Anybody know the Jeopardy theme? Do, 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 do. Okay, we're ready. You ready? Now I need you guys to back up so we can see this. And I'm going to read the Mad Lib Mother's Day that we did for them. I love to help my mommy. That's why she calls me Mommy's Little Beach. I am so sorry. We can't say that in church. I, I really like to help my mommy in the kitchen where I make fettuccine Alfredo for breakfast. <laughs> so, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I let my pet manatee lick the hair when my mom isn't looking. This makes my ludicrous brothers, sisters giggle and eating. Okay, so the next line. Let's go. After breakfast, I like to play with my Christmas tree when I should be washing my toes. (laughs) I didn't get dressed until mommy tells me to get dressed 52 times. That's true. Accurate. Her face is usually a pretty fuchsia color by then. I pull out my fuzzy outfits and change 1,563 times, just like a woman does, right? Amen. Until I find just the perfect thing to wear to make mommy happy. Uh Uh-oh. When mommy is out shopping at Target... That's where my wife loves the shot. I help by swimming up and down all 321 aisles to help her find my favorite deer and penguins. They have those there now. This way she doesn't have to guess which movie theater I like. All right. Shopping always gives mommy a broken toe. I don't know where she's shopping at, but so I make it easy for her and I tell her everything that I want. Here's the next part of it. Okay. Before we pay for our stuff, I always have to go to the bathroom. If we have time, 
It, if we time it right, my brothers and sisters can make 5,821 trips to the bathroom while we're at the same store. Accurate. Uh, that sounds like a, a, a vacation trip with our kids. I really love pushing the shopping cart elegantly. How do you do elegantly? Is it like, okay, that's prissy, but through the parking lot, I pretend to be Captain Marvel. Give me, somebody give me the best Captain Marvel you can give me. Okay, that was all right. Okay, so Captain Marvel, why I do it so I can make it there fast. It always makes mom shout, yay. Okay, my mommy usually wants to go to two trillion and one stores while we, I remember those days, while we were out. But after the first store, she's too sarcastic. I remember those days. So we go back home. At home, I help my mommy by playing with my brothers and sisters and, and our scared cars all over the house. When my daddy comes home, mommy is frightened. Wow, how mean's your daddy? Ask me to help. Daddy just likes I, that I help her. My mommy is so jovial. She's the beautifulest mom ever. Is that the end of it or is there more? That's it. Well, happy Mother's Day. You guys did a good, a good job in your house. Give them a big round of applause. Thank you for everything. Hey, by the way, happy Mother's Day. Well, as I said, we're going to talk about words today, and we're going to talk about a passive scripture that Jesus is actually talking to the same religious leaders about how they use their words, how they keep their promises, the vows that they make, and their oaths. But here's what I've learned. Some people are very careful about their words, and some people are very careless. I've seen this happen a lot, especially over the last couple months with the COVID virus and everything going on. Some people just blurt out stuff and they don't even know it's true. They're very careless. And other people are very articulate and think through every word. I realize this, that sometimes words change the story, like the words we just had. Like they change the story depending on what words we use. Sometimes they dictate what we will become or what other people. I believe with everything that's inside of me that we can literally talk people into being the best they can possibly be. We can put positive reinforcement in our children by telling them they're fantastic. Or Mother's Day, like the, the verbiage that you heard on the video about moms and how much we love you. And they also tell a story. And we see this a lot in social media. They tell a story about, about what we believe and they tell a story about what we don't believe. But I can tell you this, as powerful as words are, and the binding effect that words should have. There was a group of people that didn't take their words very seriously. It's a group of people that Jesus was addressing in this part of the Sermon on the Mountain and as we continue the series from the Mount. And Jesus addresses a problem that was rampant in those days. And honestly, it's rampant in these days today. It's become customary for people to carefully kind of figure out their words so they could easily get out of those. Last week, we talked about marriage, and Andy just did a phenomenal job, and I was uh, on, on the chat for the second and third, and I was just amazed at the conversation. But what was happening in that time is that it was kind of different than our time, is that, 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 that women or marriage or wives were just considered as property, and men were, based on Scripture, were even trying to figure out how to have a loophole when they got tired of that wife. And it was interesting because the word that they used in their contracts was indecent. And it comes from a passage in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. Let's, let's look at this real quick. And it says, when a man takes a wife, and it said, when a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of the house, and she departs out of the house. But what that's saying is that the indecency part, it's like he just doesn't like something that's going on. 
And in that period of time, there was two different groups of teaching. One group of teaching was this. It was very conservative teachers. Probably a lot like we see today in the dividing line, even in some churches, we see very conservative and very liberal. But the conservative teachers of the law thought that something indecent only referred to something like sexual misconduct. But there was liberal teachers there. The law that taught something indecent referred to something a little bit different. If you just didn't like something about your wife, like she put too much salt on your food, or maybe she burnt the goat that night, or the biscuits were burned, or whatever. Or maybe she talked ugly about your mom or your dad. You can give her a certificate of a divorce just for being indecent. It, 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 here's the deal. If we look hard enough, we can find a loophole to get out of doing whatever, whatever it is that we've promised to do. It's interesting, this past week I was on the outdoor app and I saw there was an argument going on and it was between a pool company and somebody that lives in a subdivision. And they had a company that they hired out and were gonna pay. They have contract with them to pay for them to uh, do the pool. But what they were arguing about, and now mind you, they've, they've had the pool for two years. They're arguing about the pool being three feet over further than they talked about originally in the contract. And so this person, though they've been swimming in it, they've been having parties in it, they've been, you know, graduation stuff, baseball teams have been over, they've been using the pool, but refused to pay because it's three feet over what the contract says. And Jesus said, Where is no, there's no room for loopholes. There's no room for that. Well, you can't twist the wording of your promises around to make it more suitable. When we make a vow, we should keep it. Now remember this, this whole series goes back to one of the first phrases, that our, our righteousness should surpass that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And every time, every week we've seen, here's the rules, and Jesus says, but let's take it a little bit further. And so he's looking at the scribes and the Pharisees, as Andy was talking about last week, and go, guys, you got that part, or you haven't murdered, or you haven't lusted, or you haven't done these certain things. But let me, let me take it a little bit further. And Jesus is gonna do the exact same thing this week in Matthew chapter five, verse 33. So let's go to the scripture, and then we'll break it down a little bit. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. And that says, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven. And this is really important. And if you have an analog Bible, I want you to underline this. This is really, really important about how they did oaths in that period of time, either by heaven for it's the throne of God. And this is, or by earth for it's the footstool or by Jerusalem. And there's a progression here. They get more and more important and Jerusalem being the ultimate in the swearing process or the oaths, for it is by the city of the great king. And it says, do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. And it says this, and I love this line, and we've read this line before, we've heard this line. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Jesus was referring to a common practice of the time called evasive swearing. That's what it's called, evasive swearing. And what they would do, they would say, we swear by God, which held a little bit of credibility, but there was a loophole because it wasn't the most important. Or they would say, we swear by the heavens, but it was when they swore by Jerusalem. Like, it's kind of like what we do today when we have people do, like in court, and they say, I tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And they say, so help me God, which honestly doesn't bear much weight anymore. But it was the prog progression of this. People would make these evasive oaths so they could wiggle out of them later. We saw this several years ago uh, with one of our presidents. And the question was, did you have sex with that woman? And I remember him saying, no, I did not have sex with that woman. And I use air quotes because that's kind of the way he did it. 
And we knew that everything else, what had happened, all the, all the nasty stories, but it came about and it was at his impeachment trial where he said, that depends on the definition of what it is. He wouldn't even say it. And that's what I'm talking about. Jesus is challenging us thousands of years after writing this, that he talked to the religious leaders. He's challenging us to be people with words of integrity and people with words that keep them. Remember, we're not accountable to men. We're not accountable to the law system that we abide by. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we're going to stand before God and God's going to say the things that we all want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what we all long to hear. So the ultimate judge of our words and our oaths and our vows is God himself. So what do we do? When Jesus challenges us to be accountable, what do we do? Well, I, I, I came up with a couple things that I think would help us tremendously in this whole idea of breaking our promises or keeping our vows. And here's the first thing. We need to stop looking for loopholes. I think we live in a society that's always looking for a loophole. Now, Macmillan Dictionary defines a loophole as this. Something that has been left out of a law or legal document that people can use to avoid obeying it. Now, it's interesting. A lot of people have received stimulus package money or PPP, the, the, payment, uh, the payroll protection plan. And I've heard all kinds of stories how people have found loopholes in it. And if, if you didn't register your child, that you get an extra $500, even if they're out of college, all this kind of stuff. And I remember having a conversation with my accountant and I said, listen, I don't want to find a loophole. I want what's mine or what I deserve, but I don't want something that's not mine. But what I found out, and he was kind of reminding me that people out there, they're looking for loopholes. Now, the word originally comes from something that happened or was part of the 16th century. It was a narrow little space between the bricks that soldiers on the inside of a castle or a fortress could actually fling their arrows or their spears or their guns with little risk of bullets or anything else coming in because it was such a narrow, narrow space. But in the 17th century, it took a whole different meaning. The term loophole came to use as a figurative sense to mean a small opening or outlet of escape that we can get out of something. We use loopholes all the time in our lives. Several years ago, I was sitting down with a friend of mine. Um, he had just graduated seminary and he was telling me that him and his wife were having some struggles. And I said, well, you want to sit down and talk one day? So he came in from out of town and we were having a conversation. And at that point, I didn't realize that it escalated as far as it escalated. He told me, he said, me and my wife were getting a divorce. And I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of a little old school when it comes to divorce. And so I said, you know, why? What's the grounds for? What are you doing? And he goes, oh, my grounds are Matthew chapter 5, 28. And I kind of thought back at that time. I know what that is. It's about when a, uh, somebody looks at a person with lust. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's pretty brutal right there. Like, can you tell me how it happened? Did it end up in an affair? Was it on Facebook? You know, what happened right there? And this is what he said to me. And I, I remember it to this day. He said, Bobby, she told me she thought somebody else was handsome. I went, what? And I thought, man, my wife could divorce me because I think John Bon Jovi's handsome. I, I think there's lots of people that are handsome out there, but she's not divorcing me. Because, and he was using this loophole. Let, this is what I told him. And this is what I believe with everything that's in me. And I know last week we talked about, and Andy used that mixture of eggs, but there's grace involved in all this thing. But here's, here's the biblical, the reasons that we can. Not saying we have to because God still hates divorce, but here's the reasons we can. Adultery, abuse, and abandonment. God gives us the right to get out. 
We can break the contract that we've made or the covenant we've made with God, but not because the biscuits are burnt or not because somebody looked at somebody else wrong or not because they had a bad hair day or not because they can't cook or not because the worst, not because you're not happy because God's called us to holiness, not always happiness. And so we constantly look for loopholes. And I'm telling you, if we look hard enough, we can find a loophole to get out of doing everything we want to do. And this was real personal um, about 17 or 18 years ago. Um, many of you know that I was part of a church here in town. I was a youth pastor there for, I think it was 10 or 11, 12 years. And we were in the middle of a building program. And if you don't know anything about building programs, because we've never had one, is we were trying to raise funds to move from the school we were at into the building that they are currently even in right now. And so Marty challenged us to be radical. He challenged us to sell stuff and bring an offering. And we were going to bring an offering and we're going to get the building so people can hear the dangerous message, the gospel of Jesus, that it can change their lives. So at that time, I had, I had a boat and it was a, a 1982 um, Skeeter, or thought, so I thought it was. And so I put it up for sale and the goal was that we were going to take the money and we were going to give a portion of it to the church as, a, as an offering. And, 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 you know, we were going to do what God wanted us to do. And in the meantime of just us making that commitment, somebody else in the church gave me another boat. And so I was pleased when we sold the boat. So I sold this boat to an older gentleman from South Carolina, a 1982 um, skier bass boat. And I remember about two weeks later, I was getting the mail. And when I opened the mail up, it was a, it was a thing from a lawyer. And I recognized the law office. And it said that I was being sued for $10,000 for giving misinformation. Now, I had already given the money to the church and there was no way I was going to go back to the church and go, hey, I made a mistake on this boat. And the reason being is I, I misinformed the people of what year the boat was made. So I got to doing some digging. I looked at the, in the form and everything and I realized that I sold a 1983 boat, not, not a 1982 boat. So the person actually got a boat that was a year newer and worth about $5,000 more. And I remember talking to a friend of mine. He's kind of an adopted grandfather and I told him, I said, there's no way I can't, I can't pay it back. And he goes, I'll write you a check. You pay it back. You sell the boat. You get more money. You give all of it to the church. And so God was gracious and that's what we did. I found out three weeks later, the reason the guy did that, it wasn't because he was so mad about the dates. It's because he found out he had stage four cancer and he needed the money to give to his kids. But he found a loophole to get his money back. Man, I don't know that we honor God when we try to do stuff like that. Ecclesiastes 5.4 really states how we're supposed to respond. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay pay, for he is no pleasure in fools. Pay, pay what you vow. Pay what you vow. When you make a commitment, you got you to, and, and listen, as far as God's concerned, when it's coming to making commitments and promises, there's no small print. There's no loopholes. Which leads me to the second thing I was thinking about. If we make promises, if you make a promise, you need to keep your promise. You need to keep it. And you want to talk about a kick in the shins? I remember we were living in a subdivision called Bridlewood. We had just started Journey. It was 2003. And I was running around. I was busy, um, kind of like I still am. But I was running all over the place and had three small kids at home. And... Um, Bethany was probably, I don't know, nine or 10 years old, and that would make the twins eight, somewhere around there. And I remember promising the kids that I was going to take them. I was going to take them to McDonald's. And I remember the comment one of them made. 
And he goes, dad, are you going to keep your promise this time? Are you going to keep your promise this time? And sure enough, something happened that night that I had to go to a hospital visit or whatever it was, and I couldn't keep my promise. And I remember coming home that night going, I'm never, ever going to do that again. And I remember reading a book that Andy Stanley wrote called Choosing to Cheat. And it said, you're going to have to choose who you're going to cheat. You're going to cheat your family, you're going to cheat God, or you're going to cheat the church. And I realized that night, I can't cheat God. But second there was, I can't cheat my family. And I learned something valuable about that, about keeping my promise. You have to live with it till you live up to it. I could tell my kids a million times that I keep my promise until I was blue in the face, but till I lived up to it, I had to live with it. When you make a promise to your kids, you know, to your creditors, to your boss, to your employee, to your spouse or anyone else, you have to learn, we have to learn to fulfill that promise. I see it all the time and I love watching sports and though we're watching lots of reruns, I've been watching ESPN and been reading a lot of tweets about stuff about people after they have a couple years in the NFL or Major League Baseball or whatever their sport is, is they come back because if they had a good year, they want to negotiate for more money. They have a contract. There's a contract in place. Five years making, you know, $30 million, but they have a, a good year and they want to renegotiate their contract. And if they don't get a renegotiation, they literally sit out. Lou Holtz in 1999 was hired uh, as the uh, South Carolina Gamecocks head coach. His first year there, he went 0 and 11. Zero wins, 11 losses. The next year, he had a, the, one of the best years that South Carolina's had. He went seven and four. At the end of the year, reporter asked Lou, in light of your outstanding season, are you going to renegotiate your con contract? This is what he said. He said, no, I'm not. Last year, when we went 0 and 11, they didn't ask me to work for less money. Why should I expect to be paid more money for just doing the job I was hired to do in the first place. How powerful is that? Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. When you make a promise, you keep a promise. Lou, Lou Holtz could have come up with a million different scenarios, but he was a man of integrity. And he said, my yes is yes, my promise is my promise. So what do you do? Maybe some of us have over-promised. We've promised more than we can deliver. What do you do with that? Maybe it's financially, maybe it's our time, maybe it's our skill, whatever it is. We have to live with it until we can live up to it. Psalms 15.4 says it like this. Who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord? Who keeps an oath, I love this, even when it hurts. Even when it hurts. Even when it costs me a little bit more. Even when I could be making more money. Even when I have to sacrifice some things. Even when it hurts and does not change their mind. What do you do if you're over-obligated? Bobby, what do you do? Well, when you've promised to do more than hum humanly possible, you figure out how to do it. People that have been overextended are often tempted to declare bankruptcy or not pay their creditors. I have a friend of mine, he was in debt for $400,000. $400,000. His lawyer said, you, you just need to go ahead and take the easy way out. You need to declare bankruptcy. He's a prominent business guy. $400,000. Just, just no, no, you're fighting a losing battle. Don't even try to, don't, just, just, just declare bankruptcy. And then everybody else will be held holding the bag. He says, I can't do that. He said, I, I can't do that. So what he's done for the last several years 
Little by little, by little by little, by little by little, he's been paying that $400,000 back. I was sitting with a friend that we're a mutual friend of all of ours. And he said, I wouldn't let, I wouldn't loan him a nickel. And I remember exactly what I said. I said, I would loan him $400,000 because you know what he'll do? He'll pay it back. It may take a while. It may take years. But he was entrusted with $400,000 and he has paid that back. I want you to know something, warning. If you owe somebody money and you take longer than expected, don't expect them to applaud you and tell you what a great job they did. That's not what happens. But you've done the right thing. You have to live, you have to live with it until you live up with it, up to it. And it's not always easy, but it's always right. Here's the third thing. We need to learn, and this is a real good model for us to live by. You need to learn to under-promise and over-deliver. Under-promise and, and over-deliver. Henry Ford of Ford uh, Cars said this, you can't build a reputation on what you're going to do. Wow. Ecclesiastes 5.5 5 says it like this. It says, it is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Don't make a promise. If you can't keep your promise, don't make a promise. Avoid making careless promises. I mean, if I had a little bit of money every time I heard somebody, God, if you get me out of this one, I'll be a missionary to Africa. You're not gonna be, be quiet. Don't make that kind of promise. If you help me, I literally had a conversation with somebody not too long ago. And they said, if God just gets me out of this final financial jam, I'm gonna start tithing 20%. Well, I asked them, are you, guys, you even tithing 10% yet? Nope. They're making promises. They have no obligation. They have no reason that anybody, they're not gonna keep. Get me out of this and I'll quit all the things I've done wrong. Out of desperation, I've watched people try and attempt and promise to pay more than they can ever afford to pay. Or they afford, they, 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 they promise that I'll visit you. I'll, be, I'll spend some time with you. And let me tell you one of the worst ones. I see it in the church. And I've gotten better at this, but I still, I'll pray for you. I'm gonna pray for you. I've been doing this a lot because of not being able to hug people's necks. And so every morning I, I get to the office or sitting in my house and it'll be 10 or 12 or 15 text messages, emails. Facebook messages. Just wanting, and I'll say, listen, just woke up. I want you to know I'm praying for you. And as soon as, as soon as I, I push enter or go, I say a prayer. God, as this prayer is going out, I want you, God, God, I want you to reach that person. I don't know what's going on in their lives right now. It's better to not make a promise then make a promise and not keep it. Broken promises destroy credibility. And what I found out, broken promises, we just read about it, put a barrier between us and God. Let me give you a solution. This is really, this is deep. This is theological. I hear people go, I wanna go deep. I'm gonna give you deep right now. The solution is, make fewer promises. I mean, that's exactly what Jesus was saying to these religious leaders. I'd rather you not even do it. Don't do it. Don't swear by heaven. Don't swear by God. Don't swear by Jerusalem. The solution is making fewer promises. 
I believe the world is divided into two characteristics of people. There's the few people who make good on their promises. Even if they don't promise as much, even if it hurts, even if it's hard keeping those. And then there's the other group of people. And this is the many that just don't keep their word. Let me give you some advice. If asked when you can deliver something, ask for time to think about it first. Build in some margin for safety. Name a date and deliver it earlier than promised. So sit back, take a little bit of time, think about it. I can't do it this week, but I think I can do it in three weeks. Build in some margin for safety. I know it's only gonna take me four days. I'm gonna do it this day and deliver it early. You look like the hero. I remember a time, it was back in 1983, 84, I was working for a little small company, a startup company. And I was trying to learn how to do estimates for landscaping. And the owner of the company asked me if I would go to one of the calls because he wanted to start sending me out and doing the estimates. So I sat there and he sat across the table from a large company, a really large, one of the largest companies in the little town that we lived in. And the guy said, when can you do this job? When can you have this in the front of my factory done? I remember it. It's so vivid. I remember the factory. I remember, I remember doing the drive. I remember everything. And he goes, I can have it done in two weeks. And I remember kind of turning to him and looking at him and I didn't want to embarrass him. So I let him do his spiel. We'll do it in two weeks. I give you my word. I give you my word. We got out to the truck and I just said, there's no way. We've got, we've got four or five weeks of work that we've got to get done. And you guys told us, are you going to put him in front of the line? He goes, no. He said, but we need the jobs. So I'll just call and apologize in two weeks. And I'll call and apologize another two weeks. And you know what ended up happening? One of the biggest jobs that we would have ever gotten, we lost. Because we made a promise we couldn't keep. We literally, literally overpromised So Matthew 5 says it like this. Again, all right, we just read this again. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall, you shall not swear falsely, but perform to the Lord what you have sworn. So do what you say you're gonna do. But I say to you, do not even take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's the, the throne of God, in verse 35, or by earth, for it's the footstool, or Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And it says, and do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black, verse 37. Let what you say be simple, yes or no. Yes or no. Keep your vow, keep your promise. The key is not to get them to believe the promises that you make. The key is only make promises that you have the power to keep. Now, let me ask you a couple questions. We're gonna close with this right here. How you doing with the commitments that you've made, the promises that you've made? How you doing with the commitment that you made to your spouse? How you doing? Honestly, if you're sitting with your spouse right now, ask that person, how am I doing with that commitment I made to you? What are some things I need to stoke the fire? What are some things I need to lean into in our marriage? How about your kids? How are you doing with the commitments that you made to your children? 
not just to be there, but to train them in the way that God wants them to be trained. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he or she should go. They won't depart. And I'm seeing lots of kids depart. And I know there's free will and free choice and all kinds of stuff like that. But how are you doing on that? How about with your job? How are you doing on your job? Are you giving them the amount of time that they're paying you for? Are you keeping your commitment? When you sign that contract, they said, I'll work there 45 you know, hours a week. Are you, are you doing that? How about the commitment you made to your employees that you're gonna take care of them, make sure their families are taken care of? How about the bills that are piling up? And I know we live in extreme times right now, all kinds of circumstances. So I can't take one big, broad paintbrush stroke and cover everything. But if you're in a position where you can, you need to do it. How about this? How are you doing with your commitments to God? You remember that day you told him that you wanted him as Lord and God of your life? Not just a fire escape, but you wanted him, him as number one. Is he number one? Are you putting yourself in a position? We sang a song earlier, the blessing. Are you putting yourself in a position for him to bless you by keeping your promise, by keeping your oath, by, by the, the vows that you made? God, I'm, I want you to be number one in my life. Maybe it's the devotion. I'm gonna do this devotion. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that I'm studying God's word. I'm gonna make sure that I'm, 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 I'm involved in serving somebody in our community. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it. How are you doing on those things? Your words, my words, my promises, my vows, they change everything. Let's change it up right now. If we haven't been doing real good on this, Let's ask God to help us. Help me keep my promises, God. First and foremost to you. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all the other stuff works out. And then God, help me with these right here. To be a better husband or a wife or a better father or mother. I wanna pray for you right now. Right where you're at, if you would bow your head. And your response to this may be shaking your head going, yep, Pastor Bobby, absolutely. I need to lean into this one. It may be a time, part of your response is just, is talking to God. God, I, I need you to help me with this. Maybe you made some promises and your response is to make good. A couple text messages. Whatever it is, let our yes be yes. we've talked about all kinds of things over the last several weeks, seven weeks into this, I think. We've talked about lust and we've talked about adultery and we've talked about marriage and we've talked about putting you first. We've talked about religion. We've talked about spirituality. We've talked about all these. I bet, I bet this is one of the toughest ones because it's easy. It's easy for us just to say something. And I think we have great intentions. I don't think there's many of us that maliciously don't keep our promises. In a certain respect, that almost makes it worse.
God, a few minutes ago, I said, we have to live with it until we live up to it. Let today be a defining moment that we start living up to it in our marriages, that we're not proving it by the words we're saying, we're proving it by the actions that we're saying. With our kids, it's not just I'll do this, but I'm doing it. And with you, most of all, God, that I would show you, God, that that I'm going to keep my I'm going to keep my part. I know it, God. I know, God. I'm saved by grace. I'm saved by grace. I know that. I'm thankful for that. But I also know, God, that works company grace. I do what I'm supposed to do because of the love that you've shared with me. And I pray that you would help all of us out. And I pray, God, if people need to reach out this week because they need help, they need, they need, they need to talk to somebody, God, that they would be bold enough to reach out. They would, they would talk to somebody, a friend, they would call the church or leave a, a message with us, God, that they would just reach out to get help in this area. And I'm thankful that you are a very present help in every type of trouble. I pray that you would bless us, that you would keep us safe this week. God, that you would do something in us, that you would reach our community, that we would make you famous. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.